It's nearly Christmas here, and I just wanted to record a very quick Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, really, to everybody who's listening, and say thank you. Thank you so much for an amazing year of podcasting, and so much good support from the community. Thank you especially to my patrons, all 25 of you, and those who are no longer still patrons, but hopefully you're still listening. Thank you so much for all of your support and cash (laughs) this year. Um, Without you guys, I would have given up months ago, honestly. Finally, I just wanted to say thank you to you, the listener, for putting up with my diaries, really. I don't know why anyone listens to them, but uh, you obviously are. So here's the thing. I'm going to dive into the episode, but uh, before we go, happy Christmas, and I'll see you on the other side. Game on. Things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud To die the Only the brave shall come My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Just listening to the latest journal that you dropped, and I had a comment on the separation of monsters from the player's handbook anyway uh i feel that it's important that when you buy a game you get all of the rules so yes having the games masters section included in the player's handbook makes sense to me because as a games master, you have to know how to play. I found that most of the times when people publish games masters, handbooks or rule books, they're really nothing more than a list of advice and optional rules that you might use in your game. Unfortunately, there's not a good section in either a player's handbook or a GM's guide that allow for a new player or a new games master to actually learn to play. So somebody who is fresh out of the box And I guess that's where the idea of not including monsters. So one, it would make a huge book, but also I think there's an expectation that the monsters are included in the adventures and you also limit the amount of metagaming if the players don't have access to those monsters readily. And I guess the third aspect of not including a monsters is it keeps the page count down and 
even though it's a pretty hefty tome to begin with and it's fairly expensive, how much more weight would that thing have and how much more expensive would it be even if you included just the routine monsters? Hey, Frank, uh, to be honest with you, I was just thinking in terms of um, Pathfinder is 636 or 638-page book. And I don't know, a book that thick, I've come across uh, books like that, like Zweihander, for example, which is about that sort of size and includes monsters. Um, Not everything, obviously, but loads of stuff. It's a complete game. And I got that impression because Pathfinder sells not as a player's handbook, but as the core rule book. And I just feel like a book that huge and it doesn't have the monster manual. I mean, what the hell is in there? Um, and it seems to me, you know, I'm reading the text and I've, it's okay, right? It's, it's fine. But boy, could they do with an editor, not as in terms of spelling, in terms of it's so bloody wordy. I just think 650 odd page. <laughs> Thursday night, just been um, home from work, finished for Christmas. Yay! Christmas holiday, I am in you. I sat down this evening to finish off Goriel Swiftfoot using Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which has been kind of an interesting little journey. And I spent probably about another hour, so now up to more than two hours creating a character. But of course I am reading rules as I go. Considerable amount of time spent just skimming through the equipment section. Some cool stuff. Um, I like the Adventurer's Pack. That kind of gives you the basics. And yeah, there's a lot that's familiar here from Dungeons & Dragons. Um, Biggest thing I noticed is how uh, it seems like some of the target numbers, uh, for example, my armor class, uh, level 1 rogue character with an armor class of 18, raised an eyebrow for me, considering that he's wearing leather armor. Um... But, of course, you get a proficiency bonus as well as equipment bonus and stat bonus. So that kind of tends to lift all of the numbers by about three or five for a level one character. Uh, proficiency bonus is basically depending on whether you're a trained and expert, a master, or uh, whatever the top one is. I can't even remember now. Um, and plus your level. So if you're trained, um, then it's two plus your level, which is one, which is plus three bonus. And if you're an expert, I think it is the next level up, it's plus five. So yeah, that tends to be interesting. I'm look, I'm looking forward to seeing. I kind of get the feeling there are going to be some very high DCs in this. Uh, the DC chart seems to suggest so. And my rogue has uh, what's called a class difficulty difficulty class class DC. Uh, rogue DC, which is I think 17, um, which means anyone trying to do stuff against me, you know, with my skill, if you like, is is kind of got to beat a 17 or more on D20. That's interesting. Um, other than that, I'm, I've kind of got into it, I'm sort of digging it actually. Um, I'm not sure that making a character is super quick, although there are some. There is a kind of like section which has a very quick build suggestions for each of the classes, which is kind of handy. Um, I didn't like that quick build uh, particularly. Uh, the rogue kind of has a dagger and a and a rapier, and I don't like rapiers. I just never have. Um, 
but yeah, it was okay. So I'm I'm making a sort of slow journey into Pathfinder Second Edition, and it's not what I expected at the moment. So what I'm going to do is uh, dig into the rules, how to play, kind of get my head around that, and I might take Goriel out for a spin, do a little solo. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's not all bad, let's put it that way. And um, it's kind of interesting because I'm going back and looking at Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition at this stage, and um, it's kind of nice seeing these two games against each other because they're the two big players, aren't they? I mean, most of the market is Dungeons and Dragons. The next biggest game in the market is Pathfinder. So, you know, it's interesting to see how they compare. Uh, what else? Um, no, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to digging into the bestiary and uh, maybe picking out some creatures and having a go, really. I also would like to try and build another character. I'd like to try and build a wizard um, and just see how magic works. But uh, as it took me two hours to build this one right now, I'm just going to park that thought. Um, can't allow myself to get too distracted from my actual game that I'm running. It's just a kind of delving into the new rules of Pathfinder out of curiosity, really. You know, I've just been thinking a little bit about why I like digging into games and why I buy them, why I read them, why I like to fiddle around with them and why I usually in the, um, sort of end up abandoning them, really. And I think it has a lot to do with the eight types of fun. Um, I talked about this recently. I think it was episode 509 uh, of Roleplay Rescue. I talked about the... MDA theory, um, game theory stuff about the eight kind of different itches that um, gamers have that games scratch. For me, it just suddenly occurred to me that actually digging into games is part of two things for me. It's part of, certainly part of challenge. I get personal challenge out of trying to understand rules. And it's also about exploration. And I do really enjoy diving into and exploring someone else's approach to gaming um, and rules generally and settings and obviously also into game structures which you know the whole thing fascinates me so exploration and challenge also there's a tactile thing I was talking to Frank Turfler about the uh, Pathfinder cool rule book and um we were, he was just speculating about whether there is a tactile thing about that huge tome. A 600-odd page tome feels pretty impressive in the hands, and although it's not necessarily massively practical at the gaming table, it is something you know really tangible. And I realised that um, I think this thing of sensory um, pleasure is more important to me than I realised, actually. In making episode 509, I kind of mentioned it in passing, but I... I think there's more to it. I think I like rolling dice. I mean, I I really don't like dice rollers. And if there's one thing I don't like about playing online, it's not rolling real dice. I, I really don't trust computers. I know they can't roll dice randomly. But um, more than that, it's about having dice in your hands. And I think I I also love miniatures and I also love like the maps and, and all of the other stuff. Artwork is really important to me. Think about it. I've just been having um, Jay Shields... Um, make me artifact cards for my for my campaign which I've yet to use any of them but these things are really important to me and uh, yeah so maybe there's something about that 
Anyway, it was just a thought I wanted to share. Um, don't know what you make of it. It's Friday morning and I'm uh, I'm rolling up dungeons, basically. So what I did this morning is I got up early and I uh, did a couple of bits of housework, went to the gym. And I've come back and I decided I was going to add to the dungeon of Thal. Um, I was kind of feeling a little un- under-inspired. I have an idea, a theme for a part of the dungeon. Um, but I, I just kind of didn't know what to do. So um, I caught myself this morning, I was starting, I'd opened up GIMP and I was starting to sort of lay out tiles. I'd started to basically relay out from, instead of 50 pixels per inch or whatever it is, uh, I've gone for uh, 180 pixel kind of resolution so that my online maps are a better resolution on, on the screen. And I'd found myself starting to read build the dungeon level one zone one that I'd already got basically and even though that's a bit low res on on fantasy rounds I think the guys are kind of okay with it and I just found this is me procrastinating this is like an incredible act of procrastination so I put that away and uh, what I did is actually I kind of started I thought well you know where do I go from here so I went and grabbed my castle old skull dungeon generator um, which I had actually printed off and put in a binder and forgotten about um, and I remember that the first part of Thal was done using random dungeon, dun, uh, random dungeon generator. So I decided to do the second bit like that. And you know what? I'm having a blast. I'm having absolutely loads of fun. Um, so I'm not going to say anything about the detail because obviously that would spoil it. But um, what I've been doing is a kind of a half dungeon generator and a half when something inspires me, throw it on the map bit. So there was a kind of random bit and then that sparked... This theme I had kind of sparked into mind again, so I've laid out a bit of the dungeon fitting that theme and then continued that using the random dungeon generator. And yeah, it's cool. Much more interesting stuff than I would have come up with on my own, I guess it's kind of a layout. And I'm um, just quickly having a snack before cracking on a bit further with it, really. Got this huge dungeon area to fill. Um, and it's quite fun. I also think it adds to the mythic underworld feel if the dungeon isn't actually necessarily too much um, in the way of design, if not. I mean, what I mean, Mythic Underworld needs to be odd, and I think you get some oddity if you have randomness. So I'm kind of embracing the randomness right now. So yeah, okay. Right, so D100, what's behind the iron door? Mm, uh, 12. Ooh, what's it say? Uh, oh, 12. Oh, okay. A corridor. Okay, so about an hour and a quarter well spent. Um, I have a map. I have another section of the Dungeons of Thal, which is rather cool. And it's not as crazy as I might have imagined, actually. I think this kind of balance between random things, there's a whole section that's utterly and totally random. And then there's a bit that's kind of, there's bits of random linked by not so random, which is kind of cool. It's got to stop the damn thing now. Friday night, just finished uh, Dungeons of Thal with the Friday Night Gamers. Fabulous session, really good fun. Andy and Ian uh, excelled, and they have now gone further than Hobbs. So, um, yes, the accolade goes to the Friday Night Gamers for the most treasure hauled back and the furthest into the dungeon. Um, We had to call it a little earlier. It's about 10 p.m., and I need to be hitting the road tomorrow to go and pick up my wife from um, South End on Sea. So, an early night. But yeah, we come to a good point in the game, um, and they they seem to enjoy themselves, which is great stuff. I'm not going to spoil their antics. Suffice to say, 
Um, good fun was had by all. I just wanted to uh, kind of make note of that. For me, um, it's good fun today. It's, I'm really pleased I started to extend the dungeon today. I'm going to continue doing that through the week. And um, yeah, I feel pretty enthused. It looks like we're gaming again, certainly looking to game again on the 3rd of January, possibly on the 27th, um, although there is an online game on the 28th that I'm also looking forward to. So we shall see. Game on. Hello, it's Saturday afternoon. Um, survived the five-hour drive to and from South End. Not quite as bad as the seven hours last weekend. So yeah, got my wife back, which is great. I've been pondering a bit, actually, uh, in terms of my role-playing. Off the back of doing eight uh, types of fun, uh, talking about the MDA approach to game design, and the eight kind of itches to scratch, I guess, you know, things that kind of we like about gaming. Um, and I, I think I reflected upon that a little earlier this week as well. But I realised something very important for myself, was the influence of Traveller as a, as a role-playing game but also the influence of Traveller as a setting that I really have enjoyed reading and and wanting to play, I guess, ever since I was quite young. And um, I think as 2020 rolls around, I'm going to have a go at getting a game of Traveller going. So specifically, I think I'm going to try and um, play around with Mongoose Traveller 2nd Edition um, Traveller game. I've bought in heavily to that over the last year or two and it seems to me I really I keep itching to play and I've never quite got a game to the table. I get about as far as creating characters and, and that's about it. I have um, wanged out uh, for Fantasy Grounds and bought the module for Traveller 2E which has just been released in the last few weeks and in 2020 I think what I'm going to do is put out a call for gamers, anyone who'd like to play uh, Traveller, Mongoose Traveller 2 Second Edition, maybe try it out or come and play. Um, but what I want to do is something that is a bit different to what I would perhaps normally do. So while I recognise my own kind of um, gaming preferences, I also feel it's really important to sort of stretch my boundaries a little bit. And to that end, I, I'd like to try, yes, um, running Traveller, um, you know, within the kind of... Uh, third imperium maps and all of the kind of hex crawl things that that implies but rather than being a hex crawl i'd like to try and run a more narrative campaign which will probably leave people who know me you know taking a deep breath sharp breath intake of shock um but i would like to sort of stretch myself and push myself in 2020 a bit and so what i think i would like to do is propose a game um a bounded series of, of episodes um, do a, a bit of a, if you like, a, a story arc, and um, yeah, actually give this game a go as well. So sort of learn to play. I think to start with it would be a short run of games designed for those that are able to learn to play, including me. Um, and then later, I think um, if that if that gets some legs, I would like to try one of the longer. Um, campaigns really i own the pirates of drinex and i have deep night revelation coming um, i mean i own everything there is really for mongoose traveler uh, and traveler before it uh, there's very little i don't have and so it would be wonderful for me to be able to bring all of that to the table at some point the one i'm proposing is probably an online game 
I think I would use Fantasy Grounds because that's where I'm comfortable. Um, but in terms of sound, I think I might go to video. I might suggest using Hangouts or at the very least, you know, going audio through something like Discord rather than TeamSpeak. Um, I'd like it to be quite inclusive. And so, I don't know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that sounds quite interesting, I'd like to be involved in that, um, please do drop me a line or get in contact. Either, uh, you know, email me, uh, that's hello at rpgrescue.com, or, you know, drop us a message, um, or pop into Discord, say hi, there's a there's a Roleplay Rescue Discord, or pop into the MeWe group um, in, in uh, MeWe, or... Even on Facebook, drop me a note. Um, there is a Roleplay Rescue group there too. So, I don't know. I'm just sort of putting this down so that I hold myself accountable. And um, I'm just wondering, is anyone interested in playing some Traveller? Let me know. Sunday morning, just standing here doing the ironing and listening to a couple of podcasts, including one from Andy Goodman from Expeditions to the Barrier... No, Expeditions to Grizzly Peaks. <laughs> see what I did there Andy anyway um, yeah he's been talking about I've just been listening to I think it's episode 5 of his talking about I think it's entitled is 200 hours prep too much um, and uh, no by the way uh, and um, he's, he's talking about marks of Nihalathotep Nihalathotep or whatever um, masks and it just triggered something in my mind I'm wanting to do uh, a bit of Traveller um, which I think I mentioned last night on possibly even in the last segment and uh, it's just triggered in my mind because he was talking about narrative but also emergent play and once again quipping with me about our disagreement over that and you know what I don't think we do really disagree about that too much um, what he triggered in my mind what Andy triggered in my mind was this thought I want to run a node based campaign um, and I've talked about these in the past so I won't go on about it right now um, but one of the key game structures that I have only re really touched on, really begun to touch on using is a node-based structure. And um, I think this might be the way for me to deal with someone else's writing, where I take apart someone's adventure and restructure it into a node-based design, which is very much what the Alexandra and Justin Alexander would do and has done with many D&D campaigns. So, yeah, thank you for the thought, Andy, because although you didn't say it, I think you just triggered that thought in me. And, uh, yeah, credit where it's due, dude. Game on. Mm -hmm.